just say knock it off and that's yeah. what we need more open honest communication in a fire service and calling people out we don't want everybody just to be yes people welcome to the triple p podcast premier professional and proactive brought to you by the ohio fire chiefs association i'm your host clayton o'brien and i'm the fire chief for the city of oregon and i'm an active member of the association I currently sit on the executive board for the Ohio Fire Chiefs Foundation, and I became an association fellow in 2021 as part of class number 10. The Ohio Fire Chiefs Association exists to improve the safety of Ohio by leading, representing, educating, and supporting Ohio emergency services. This podcast is not only for the members of the association, but also for any other fire and emergency service leaders. It is the purpose of the association to promote education, best practices, and study ways and means to cope with the ever-increasing need for a better understanding of the complex problems which are being presented to the fire protection and emergency services of our nation today. And I'm joined by my co-host, Assistant Chief Joel Fry from the Napoleon Fire Department and Fire Chief Joshua Hartberger of the White House Fire Department. Thanks, Clayton. Hello, I'm Joel Fry, Assistant Fire Chief for Napoleon Fire and Rescue. I am a current member of the OFCA, and I currently sit on the Education Committee. I am happy to be here, striving to advance the fire service as a whole. And I'm Joshua Hartbarger from the White House Fire Department. I'm also a member of the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association, and I sit on the Education Committee and the Legislative Committee. Now for Episode 14, Part 2, with Dr. Candace Ashby. <laughs> yeah, very true. Exactly. That's a great point. Do, now, do you get to do follow-ups, like, after this? So, like, I do. once you go in, and, and I mean, what... How, how many times, like, I, I'm sure you've done a lot of these, but, you know, your average experience, how long does it usually take before they get in that rhythm and you start to see that positive change, you know, within the department and start to see something blossom? Well, I see it initially. So I'll follow up with the fire chiefs usually a couple, two or three months after I'm in. And I'll send them an email. Hey, what's happened? Have you done anything with the paperwork I've given you? And then I get feedback from them. Some of them I do, some of them I don't. But it's like anything else. You go to a class, you get all fired up, and then what happens three, four, yeah. five months down, they start tanking. And I tell the guys, it's up to them to continue it on. Now, in the bottom-up class, I talk about team spirit of, you know, we all know in high school football the cheerleaders were on the stands, and it doesn't matter if the team is winning or losing, they're still cheering. Yep. And we see that in collegiate sports. But where do those cheerleaders go when we get into corporate life? And we are the cheerleaders for each other. Mm -hmm. So we've got to uh, recognize that, be able to do that, whether we're winning or losing, and keep going where we can lift people up and make a difference in the fire service to leave it better than we found it. Well, and, and you know, that's when you said that about going and being the cheerleaders is, is kind of what brings it to mind when you use that analogy in your very young department or your department that you were on prior to morphing into Indianapolis. You'd maybe use the example that individuals were against each other pointing the finger at you like I, if I if I had this attitude that I would you know put how could I put a knife in your back twist it and then just get it out and get it in the next one as soon as I possibly can and uh, just trying to motivate people to be cheerleaders for each other like if you're successful like if we're both going for a promotion or we're both trying to do something within our job just be happy for one another you know and and may the best man win we all want to be competitive um, that's natural that we want to be competitive yeah. but like when you have something that happens to you that is success or that you, that makes you happy and that's that's what you wanted, like I'm super happy for you and I want I want to create that environment that everybody's happy for each other, like the successes of uh, of each other in the organization. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. It, How, it, 
And but, we, we don't talk about conflict either. And conflict is going to be prevalent. It's actually healthy to have conflict. You're always going to have conflict exactly. anytime you have people. Yep. But we don't do conflict management. We try, you know, there's some classes that do conflict resolution. I look at it as management because conflict is always going to be there. We just have to know when to step in and, and diffuse it before it grows out of control. So I had, for my example, I had a couple of guys during the last election. One was for Biden, one was for Trump. They were going to go in. Typically, we leave politics out of the firehouse. And, but this one, they were bashing each other back and forth. But they started to become emotionally connected to it and getting yep. angrier and angrier and yep. angrier. Well, I try not to micromanage the officers that report to me, but I, I sit down at dinner and I could see that it was wearing on these two individuals and it was going too far and the officers didn't take care of it. So I just slapped my hand on the table and I said, enough, I don't want to hear any more about it. And they stopped right there and it was able to diffuse that conflict and bring it down before it morphed into something, uh, you know, more detrimental in the future during that relationship between those two guys and be able to just say, knock it off. And that's yeah. what we need more open, honest communication in a fire service and calling people out for what it is. I agree. It, just respectful. It's just, we talked, Joel, we talked about this a lot when we was in Napoleon. It's just, you know, like we can, you may not agree with what I'm going to, it's, it's, it's very hard for the individual telling somebody else, you know, or calling them out. I don't think it's easy for the individual on the, on the end that if I'm, if I'm going to call you out on something, it's harder for me. And that if I'm calling you out, you should respect that I had the courage to call you out. Like nobody likes conflict on a regular basis, but I do think, like you said, I think it's healthy. I think it gains respect and nobody, we don't want everybody just to be yes people. We want to be able to have, you know, some banter back and forth to be able to actually come up with the best for the organization. Everybody gets to, you know, fight for their spot or fight what they believe in. But to, to kind of just morph into this, this fact that we, we need to have conflict, but respectful conflict, which is just all about delivering the message respectfully. So um, you can disagree with somebody or you can have, or you can call them out because I, I use the example all the time. It's just not high school. It's, this is yeah. not high school. If you have a problem with that person, just go talk to them, you know, just go talk to them and tell them why you have that problem and let them, because do you have the full story or not, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think uh, sometimes we get kind of watered down um, versions of diversity and sensitivity training. We think it, we're in a, we live in a world today where it's like, well, we need more diversity and sensitivity. No, we don't. I don't think we do need more diversity training. What we need is more company officer training to teach a company officers to put their foot down and put a stop to it because we've got to treat people with respect, no matter if they're gay, straight, black, white. Uh, you know, trans, what religion they are. It doesn't matter. We have to be respectful. We don't go into fires and crawl in there and turn somebody over and say, I need to know if you're black, white, or gay, or straight before I decide to pull you out. Correct. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So and then we bring in outside consultants to do the diversity training that make all of us mad because they don't understand the world in which we live. But it goes down to a fundamental training issue that the officers just don't know how to do their job of setting their foot down and say, hey, it's okay. We can, we can agree to disagree. It's to be still at the end of the day, have to treat people with respect. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's almost a lost art today because we we're in this cancel culture that if, you know, if you don't like me, I'm going to cancel you on Facebook. I'm going to cancel this. I'm going to cancel that. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I don't want to work with you. And I go to small departments and two people are into it and they, they move them apart from each other, but it's a small enough department that they're going to run into each other again. Yeah. Like get the hell over it. Mm -hmm. So what well, you can agree to disagree. Somebody's going to have the upper rank. It's like going in and, and telling a fire chief, you know, I, I can go in and I can tell Chief Malone anything that I want. And I do it behind closed doors. I talk just like this. 
And then he doesn't agree with everything that I do, but guess what? He's the fire chief, and I know by the end of the day, I can lay my head down on my pillow and know that I did everything that I could. But he ultimately is going to make the decision. That's why he's in that position. Now, I don't walk out of the office because he disagrees with me and say, you know, go tell everybody else the common stuff. Oh, I tried to tell them they didn't listen. You know, I tried to show them, and they did this and this and this. What is that going to get you? You know, if you really want that job, get your ass on up there and call me in six months. Let me know how it's going for you because I think you're going to be <laughs> yep. in for a rude awakening oh, yeah. on what it's really like to be at the top and to have people, you know, throwing it, those slingshot rocks at you on everything that you're doing wrong instead of saying, hey, how can we work together to make this better? And if you dislike somebody to that extreme where you don't want to run into them on a 24-hour shift or be able to be in the same room or talk to them, like that, that relationship – which is a relationship that's just completely not built on respect for each other. So how do you break that down to be able to begin having some respect? Because, you know, like kitchen table, you know, is everybody saying and talking and, you know, talking about whatever. And there's always the loudest person in the room. There's always the one that's always the most opinionated. And uh, the know-it-all. And and the know-it-all. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they they, they do know it all. And they talk so confidently like they do know it all. And sometimes they just don't. And then you got that one that's pretty shy, doesn't really say much. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of there. But the relationships that are being built there are just like, they're just kind of like, okay, so this guy's the bully or this is the click or whatever else compared to like, if I was to get into a fight with somebody like an argument, it's like, there's no respect built from that kitchen table. The respect I've, I've always said is the respect is built from the fire ground. If I know you can do the job and I can do the job and we are in it together, that's where the brother is. Like, cause you could always argue with your brother or sister and be super ticked off at them for 24 hours, but you still love them. Exactly. Yeah. So why don't we just still love our brothers or sisters in the firehouse? And, and because I think it's, it, that's the only thing I can come up with is like, why do we not, where do we lose that respect? And it's because did we have too much time on our hands that we didn't build the respect of one another on the fire ground or on the training or whatever else? Well, I think it goes back to communications because we're not building those relationships because they're not communicating correctly because there's 1,440 minutes in every shift. We got guys coming in, and they sit on their cell phones. I do the same thing. I'm on my cell phone. I, oh, it says five or six hours a day I'm on the thing, you know, because <laughs> it, it times you. But there's times in the firehouse we have to put those cell phones down in order to build the relationships. If we don't have the relationships because we don't have face-to-face communications, then the whole thing, we don't have a foundation there to work upon. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start seeing uh, the problems in the firehouse. There's some firehouses that are rock stars. There's other firehouses that aren't. And where's the difference? It's a commitment of the people and the attitude mm-hmm. and the accountability and the leadership. That's what it all comes down to. And it's uh, incredibly sad to see why can't we all be rock stars? Why can't we all love the fire service? This isn't for everybody. And, but that's what the probationary year is for. But we have this lack of accountability of holding them accountable. And um, it, it's extremely sad, but we need to, to get into a, a better culture of putting our foot down and saying, no, just no different than I was saying earlier about the children. Children need boundaries, mm-hmm. and so do firemen. And when they go beyond those boundaries, somebody needs to be there and slap them back into boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I tell people if I have to discipline them, at least be thankful somebody cares enough to, <laughs> to do this. Yeah, yeah to, to yeah, change like your to behavior. And, I, yeah. and I'm very optimistic when I have to discipline somebody. Not that I have to do it very often, but I tell them I, I'm so optimistic that this is going to change it. We'll never have to revisit it. Mm-hmm. 
And if it doesn't, then I had that's my insurance policy that we're going to revisit it and I'm going to continue on. I wrote a dissertation. I don't mind to run your ass all the way to the merit board if I have to. <laughs> but it, but I have other tools that I'll talk about tomorrow in which that I uh, think outside the box to bring in to, for laying paper that I take people down a road to, to motivate the unmotivated, which is really where the trying times are at. Is you know it's it's great when you're with a group of people that get it and they're all think alike and they're all passionate about the fire service. Those are the rock star firehouses. Mm-hmm. What happens when you get around the people that that they're to themselves? They don't want anybody else around them and things. And that's where it really the struggle begins. Yeah. Especially being a supervisor. So I I look at that as a challenge, and then I try to bring them together and and do different things. And they're just my guys would rather me write them up. Than to, to go down some of the roads that I do. Can you just give us some paper? And I'm like, oh, hell no. If you just give us oh, we're going to have fun now. So they know I'm crazy. So can you remind the audience, like, so I, I, I told them just the very, like, you're the battalion chief in Indianapolis, but what does that mean? Like, how many how many stations do you have and how many people? Well, I'm battalion one on the B shift. Now there's seven battalions, uh, commanders, and then there's a shift commander that's over the seven battalions. So our city is divided into seven quadrants. Uh, I'm Battalion 1 on the northwest side. I have seven stations, 60 firefighters, 15 of which are officers under my command. And I have an executive officer that drives me that moves over into my spot when I'm off. Okay, so yeah, that's a, I mean, that's essentially, I mean, when you talk about a lot of how many different separate, they may be separate departments, but they're really, you know, a lot of them that are just simply that size. So you almost have an entire department just in, in your one battalion, you know, like, so you're, right. you know, so I get it. There's a lot of different personalities that are there um, that you have to manage each and every day. And when you, you know, talk about the level of the company officer um, and doing the officer development and the training, uh, you, you, you touched a little bit about uh, leading by example example in there. And one of the examples that you, you had used is, um, you know, you would uh, maybe as an early company officer, as a captain in your, in your organization, you may went out there and washed the truck and you, you cooked the dinner or whatever else. Um, and you felt like you were leading by example. And I do think that that's how a lot of maybe new company officers probably think is that, you know, I want to be able to show them that I'm going to be out on the bay floor and wash the truck, or I'm going to cook the dinner for the day. Not saying that they shouldn't do that, that you should still be involved with the crew, but not do it when they're not like and all the Not rest actively of it. involved. Yeah, 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 like all the other crew gets to just yeah. sit in the, the you know the lazy boys. Why they're going to go and do that? I mean, you got to be able to help motivate them of why and what that you're doing. So, with that being a company officer in that that young in those younger days, uh, the struggle to to manage the amount of workload that a company officer has to do because I do I think that sometimes a company officer gets. Um, they feel like they're overwhelmed. You know, they feel like they're overwhelmed on a regular basis because the transition from firefighter to company officer, which we already touched a little bit on, the lack of uh, training maybe in officer development. So they maybe stepped in a role that they don't really know everything about. But then, but then we also want to be this lead by example. Um, so we really, really struggle to delegate. And so how do you develop in, in your part that you talked about, develop to delegate or delegate to develop. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it's like, you know, when I first started out, I thought I was going to arrive. At, you know, I want to be a leader. I want this, and it was going to be a destination that one day I'm going to achieve. Everybody wants to work for me. I, I want to be the cool captain and laid back, and, and that's where I thought that leading by example meant I did all the work. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a misconception of people that go out for officer positions. They believe it's just riding the right front seat, doing the paperwork, and making a few decisions, and doing day-to-day supervisory skills. It's so much more than that. It's building a team, and not just any team. It's building a team of champions. 
out of your crew that can in your absence. So your job as an officer is to groom the next officer. That's the growth and development of people that's around you. And a lot of young officers don't realize that. So they, they go down the road and they take leadership classes like, I want to be this leader. And it, it wasn't until I got older in life, it took me, you know, this is what I say. There's, there's some people that get officer that never get it. Uh, some that take a few years, like myself, to understand what an officer is really supposed to do, and some that, that you know that never get it, and they're stuck. We're stuck for twenty or thirty <laughs> years on the people that never understand what an officer's job truly is. But once you get that, and then you start understanding the growth and development of people around you, then that gives you the ammunition that you need to delegate because you're part of growing and developing those people under you, and you want to constantly make them better. I've worked with plenty of people that feel that they are God's gift to firefighting. The sun rises and sets in their butt. Mm-hmm. And if what's amazing is when they take a day off, the fires still go out. It's it's the mm-hmm. darnest thing crazy, I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the same way in my battalion, if I'm, you know, off, the fires are still going to go out. The guys are still going to do a good job. So what can I do to grow and develop those officers underneath me? Because those are the future chiefs that are sitting out there. And the mm-hmm. ones that are underneath them, what are they doing to groom the future lieutenants and captains? So I think that's where the delegation comes in. And also, I want to say that it's never a destination you're not going to arrive. It's a day-to-day grit, grind, grind it out. It's just how, you know, tomorrow I will uh, get more into what a leader is and the traits and things. But it's really, truly about being the best person you could be every single day. So it never ends. It's ongoing work every single day. And that's what leadership is about, how you conduct yourself. And there's two rules of leadership. The first one is it's not about you. It has to do with everybody else. But the second rule has everything to do with you. Because how you conduct yourself as far as lead by example, and, and are you given those opportunities? Are you given a, uh, you know, an ear to the people? Are you stopping stuff that, that shouldn't happen in the firehouse? My gosh, it's just so powerful to, to go in and tell officers, you hold the power to put your foot down and say enough's enough. And then also tell the firemen, like what I said today, if you have a negative person as part of your crew that is just sucking the life out of the room, tell them. Mm-hmm. I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. I'd do anything in the world for you, but shut the hell up. I'm just tired <laughs> of hearing it. And get up and remove that audience away from these people. If we had more guys do that at the at the dinner table, could you imagine the impact alone that would make in the fire service? 100%. Especially when it's peer-to-peer. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's peer-to-peer. And it's like if it's it's sometimes, or if, it, if, it, if the company officer has to step in, but I can't remember, like, I always prided myself when I was on the line that you just knew where I used stood. Like you knew where you stood with me and I, I, I was respectful about it, but I wasn't shy to say it because we're again, I just didn't view our careers as we were in the uh, a, a career in the fire department that we were in high school. And that, and that's where I think is just having respect for each other that just, Hey, you, you know where I stand peer to peer is a lot more impactful than the chief or the company officer having mm-hmm. to say it, but um, you know, so now, uh, so if, if you're, if you're talking to say, say us as fire chief or any fire chief in the state, and we talked about the lack of the development of the company officer, what would be your advice to chiefs to say, these are the things that maybe you should look at of how to develop future company officers. They're firefighters now. How do you develop them early on to be able to then be able to take that role and then continue the development after they are in that role? Well, I think we need to have company officer academies. We need to have battalion chief academies. We need to send battalion chiefs to school, not about incident command, but about dealing with people, same way with company officers. And we need to start at everything that we're missing, which is dealing with people, communications, conflict management, management 101, 
hell, uh, organizational development and leadership, project team management, all these things that have to do with dealing with people, we don't have training on. So we need to start with little short trainings in that. If anything, it, maybe it's, a, it's an article that you can throw out about that particular topic area and have officers read it and come back by having an assignment on the email. You know, come back with this. Recently, I was in an officer development training, and the scenario was you have a, a backstepper who is so negative and hates the department, hates everything, uh, everybody in it. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle this person to keep him from bringing down your other backstepper? And then they went to the person in the room, and they, they went to a lieutenant, said, Lieutenant, what would you do? Well, the standard response, I would take that individual to the side, find out what they're going on, do they need EAP? <laughs> then they said, okay, and then they went to a captain in the room. And they said, what would you do? And he said, well, much of the same thing. I would, you know, find out what's going on and, and, and do they need help? Do we need, you know, to, to activate uh, uh, EAP or what have you? And then they looked at me and picked on me. He said, Chief Ashby, what would you do? I said, you know what I would do? I'd turn around and say, shut the hell up. That's exactly what I would <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we need more of. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, very yeah. right. Call them out. You know, yeah. and if it doesn't take care of it, maybe there is an underlying condition later on down the road, but I would start with the most simplistic form of just shut up, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have that as part of my crew or at my station or in my battalion or on my shift. It, get it out of here. That's why I have two things I won't deal with and, and allow in my battalion. And one is hatefulness and the other one's drama. I don't need it. Yeah, correct. I'm too old for it. And if I get a, even a whiff of it, then you're going to see me and you're not going to like what I'm going to take you through because it's going to be remedial training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, everybody's entitled to a bad day, you yeah, know, absolutely. and you know oh, those. And, and that's the part about knowing your people. So as long as you know your people, you know, like, hey, they're having a bad day. You just have the discussion with them. But but if it's a shift after shift after shift and you're like, like you know, at, at one at some point, you know, like, just shut up like seriously because i i truly believe like majority of the firefighters in the fire service just they they don't wake up and say you know what i just want to you know be the i just want to be so negative today and i i wake up and go to work and make everybody else's life miserable i don't think majority of the people start out that way i think that they eventually they're um what was the the analogy that somebody used is that when you first became in the fire service you had this candle that was lit and it was a you know the your flame is is really big as it first started but then each and every year or each and every shift that somehow that flame gets taken out a little bit and it's about whether you're surrounded by the negativity and how you're going to react to it you can either buy all into the the person that's you know being very negative or you can look yourself in the mirror and say i don't want to be miserable every mm-hmm. day you know I, I i have the best job in the world and uh and so i just want to be happy and i want to you know have good customer service and i think the company officer has a huge impact on firefighters to be able to help do that but firefighters need to know that they have the biggest impact on each other mm-hmm. on what their and, and what their culture is within their organization uh, let me say that one of the complaints I get from the company officers, and I feel the same way, is they don't feel that anybody has their back. And so that prevents them, in, in their vernacular, that prevents me from being a company officer because I can't discipline anybody. Nobody has my back. And I will say, there's not a lot of people that have my back. And does that give me the right to not have the backs of the 15 officers that answer to me? You know, it has to start and stop somewhere. Yeah. So yep. it doesn't matter. Yep. If nobody has my back, I still have to get the backs of those people. And they, I expect them to have the backs of their people. Absolutely. And if they don't, then they're going to answer to me because it's like, that, that, get, that dog don't hunt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, but to sit there and, 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 you know, squat down in a corner and say, oh, my God, nobody has my back. I can't do my job. Well, I tell officers, I say, you've got three options. Option number one, if you're checked out, 
that's fine. Go on down to the pension office and sign the papers. Go on out the door. I'll buy you a bottle of bourbon. We'll have you a chili lunch, and we'll congratulate you. Thank you for your service. If you can't do that or, you, you, you know, you won't, that's fine. Option number two is go to any firehouse, take a piece of paper out of the printer. It's free of charge. There's a pen and paper or a pen and pencil sitting around there. And write down on, uh, write on this piece of paper, Dear Chief such and such, I demote myself. Please put me on a back step so I'm not responsible for anybody but myself. Mm-hmm. And get out of it. That's the yep, best that's a leadership point. thing that you can do. Or the option number three, the train's coming down the tracks. It's time to get on board and do the job that you signed up to do. I haven't ran into an officer yet that was forced to be an officer. They just don't understand how uh, powerful that position is and how much they're mentoring every single day whether they intend to or not. They are mentoring the future, and it's usually the officers is where I find the problems at because they're the ones spreading the toxicity around the kitchen table, and we've got to get that to stop. And that's usually because of a lack of self-reflection. Yes. Like, you know, they can't look and see, you know, am I the problem? And that's something that, you know, we have to do. You, you have to look in that mirror and say, is it me, and why is it me? Mm-hmm. What do I got to do to change? And, and you know, because I, I, I will say that there's a lot of times that I'll tell individuals that I want them to – have the chip on their shoulder. I want them to be confident. I want them to be able to say they are the best firefighter in the firehouse. I want them to be able to say they're the best company officer or they have the best company. I want that because that type A personality that we all have in the fire service and that confidence is going to help them be able to be successful as long as they you know, continue to maintain. But, but you don't have to be arrogant. Exactly. You, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have to be arrogant to everybody else and you can be very, very confident, but nobody needs to know that there's a chip on the shoulder. Tell that to new paramedics, you know, like be confident in your skills and, and, but in order to be confident in your skills, you got to train upon that. And yeah. if you're not training upon it every single day on those little tasks, then how are you going to be confident? And the ones that make up for it are the ones that usually misery is maybe that they're just not confident in their job. So they make up through the mouth. Yes. And what I say to that is they have swagger. So it's one, you, you know, it's great to have swagger. I want my companies to have swagger, but don't have arrogance. That's a yeah. great, that's, I yeah. love it yeah. because Absolutely. that's, exa- you're exactly right. Like have swagger, but don't have arrogance. Like, because, you know, sometimes people like if back to Josh's point with the, with the, the reflection is it's super hard. I mean, it is. how many times like all the time, I, I mean, I drive 45 minutes home from work every day and you reflect so much and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have said this differently. I wish yeah. I would have done that. And you're like, just kind of like beating yourself up on, about it all the time. And if you can't actually look in the mirror and beat yourself up about things, then you're, you're holding yourself back and everybody around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Is there any other takeaways that we have? When, anything we want to talk about? Any, any other takeaways that you have, doctor, um, that, that we didn't uh, really touch on in this little episode? I can't think of any right off the top of my head because I'm doing management and leadership tomorrow. So I have that uh, <laughs> yeah, next that program to go through, uh, to go through there. But, um, but yeah, every day is a struggle, uh, you know, and, and one thing that I do tell firefighters is we go through life and we struggle. We have our ups and we have our downs. Same way in organizational life. We, we have our ups and we have our downs. It's just, we, we suck as firefighters when we're down because we don't know how to deal with it, but understand it's, it's part of the fabric of the fire service. You're going to have your ups and downs. So, you know, do the very best that you can. Uncover that passion that you came into fire service with. I was so glad to reignite mine. I haven't always been like this. I was always working with a means to an end that when I got 20 years, I was going to get out. When I got 25, I was going to get out. When I got 30, I was going to get out. Uh, But now I'm at a place of like, when you get out, I'm like, are you kidding me? I want another 32 years. You know, I want to be the Betty White of the fire service where they're dragging me out by my ankles at 99 years old. Yeah, for Uh, sure. You know, they're going to age me out at 70, but I've got a plan to come back as a civilian. 
because I get it now. Yeah. And we need more people to get it and fall in love with it because I have a blast every single day I go to work. Mm-hmm. Wasn't always like that, but now it is. And now I control that environment around mm-hmm. me. And now that I understand it's in my control, it's like, oh my gosh, I wish somebody would have came and told me that 30 years ago. And that's why I do what I do. So I can go out and spread the word and try to get people to, to love the job again, reignite their passions, understand, quit blaming the fire chief for everything. You know, I'm sorry if you have a sucky fire chief, but what are you doing to groom the next one? Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. do mm-hmm. the best that you can with what you're given, and let's move on and leave the fire service better than we found it. Wow, that is great. So uh, thank you to everybody that tuned in to episode 13 of the Triple P podcast. And uh, it's just a real pleasure to be able to, you know, have you uh, accept to come on and talk to us all about the class that we had. And like I said, and, and, and not just because, you know, we would tell, I would certainly tell you if I, if I didn't think it, but uh, I really think that this, this class that you give today was a huge impact for me being mm-hmm. a new fire chief in an organization that I just uh, went into. Um, so, you know, you had a lot of great points in that. So I, I truly appreciate the, the class that you did today. I really appreciate the time that you give us afterwards here. So uh, thank you, Dr. Candace Ashby. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Triple P Podcast, premier, professional, and proactive, brought to you by the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you feel so inclined, please help us spread the word by telling your fire and EMS friends about this channel.